The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. The go through some emails, check your calendar, see that you have a 45-minute break in the day between meetings, realize this is your moment. So you drive right to McDonald's to pick up something extra delicious ASAP meal. Thank you. There's a meal for every moment at McDonald's. Buy one of your select faves and get another for just a dollar every morning, like a sausage McMuffin or hash browns. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Prices and participation may vary. Valid for product of equal or lesser value. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Combo meal valid when product served. Welcome to episode number 67 of the LSR Podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by the brightest minds in all of the gaming industry with me this week. I have Adam Candy. I have Dustin Galker. And we would love for you to go in, subscribe, rate, and review on all the places that you listen to this podcast. Helps us climb the charts. And we want more people to find this as well. And if you happen to be watching us here on YouTube, go down below. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button, and you'll be notified every time we go live with a video on that platform as well, at Dustin Galker, at Adam Candy with two E's, no Y, at LSP Report is the main account there. We'll talk Illinois on this episode, guys. We are going to talk a really nice piece written over at LS uh, over at LSR about the Bet Chris stuff that's going on that we talked a little bit about last week um, as well. And then we will also uh, we'll also go into some more stuff about the exchanges going on, Caesars, different things like that. I mean, there's some interesting stuff going on this week, but probably not a probably not one of our longest podcasts that we will have uh, this week. Interesting stuff going on in the world of sports as well. We'll probably have some reactions for you on that. This is literally happening as we are recording this right now, but uh, we'll certainly talk to you guys next week about that. As well, but let's kick things off here in Illinois, guys. I mean, this is a state that we have been really, really on top of, and it's been up and down and all around, and the craziness continues to happen. And Dustin, I think right after we finished recording last week, we get another change of course over there in Illinois. Uh, if I was a better uh, in Illinois, I'd be pretty confused on what's going on right now. But here's the latest: the the governor. Uh, has put back into effect uh, an executive order saying that you can remotely sign up for sports books, uh, online sports books in the state of Illinois, meaning you do not have to go to a physical casino anymore. This is an order that is in place at least until September 19th. We have no idea whether it will extend beyond that. Uh, as you know, uh, if you've been listening to this, we've been talking about Illinois quite a bit. And it's at points in time uh, in the past, you had to the original law said you had to go to a, a physical sports book to, or casino to sign up. That order is rescinded. It was then put back in place where you had to go to casinos. And now we're back to you can remotely register. So if you're confused, uh, I'm not sure I can keep up with it either. But right now, you if you live in Illinois or, or on the border and you go into Illinois, you can sign up for uh, Bet Rivers or DraftKings and do it remotely without having to go to a physical casino either in Chicago or St. Louis. And you can start betting which is good news for uh, those people who are listening in Illinois and who are, who are betters who want to get uh, in on the action more. 
Adam, very interesting whenever we see that date of September the 19th because it's just long enough to get you through week one of the NFL and just short enough to stop the day before week two of the NFL actually uh, happens, well, the second Sunday anyway, when it comes to the NFL. But, uh, you know, it does at least get us through that first week of NFL, which, as we know, as far as player acquisition goes, I mean, certainly these remote, certainly these sites would love for it just to be where you could do it all the time. However, I mean, if you at least can get through week one of the NFL, we know for customer acquisition, that's massive. As long as this order stays in effect all the way through September 19th, this is a complete game changer in Illinois because we have that much certainty, right? We know that through basically, as you just said, week two of NFL season, that DraftKings, FanDuel, PointsBet, et cetera, are going to be able to acquire customers. And when you consider that they have giant piles of marketing cash sitting there for just this moment, then you know that no matter whether it gets shut down after September 19th again or not, you know that they're going to be able to acquire a significant amount of players over this next month. So as Dustin said, the executive order back in effect, at least until September 19th, the governor's spokesperson has said that it is related to the safety of not going into casinos because of the COVID pandemic. But right now, if you're DraftKings or FanDuel, you're feeling very good about the way things are going. DraftKings, of course, already launched, and we know that FanDuel uh, is probably to come next week. I can tell you, I really, really wish I was a resident of Illinois because I cannot imagine the bonuses and the things that are about to come their way for those first two weeks of the NFL season. It is going to be spectacular. And if you live in Illinois, just know I'm jealous of you already it is going to be unreal we already know that the commercials are getting obnoxious in in other states that have gone live too (laughs) like uh, we we know anecdotally that colorado and indiana are both pretty bad we knew new jersey and pennsylvania there's a glut of ads given the short time frame potentially for for online sports (laughs) betting registration it's going to be nuts and i think what fanduel said it was like you can sign up now get fifty dollars free before they even launch which you know, $50 free is is aggressive in the market right now. It's usually less than that. That will be on top of a deposit bonus. So, mm-hmm. and we're not, and God only knows on what you're watching a Bears game week one, like you are going to see 5 million ads for FanDuel, DraftKings, BetRivers, anybody else who's who's live by by that time. Now, Adam, we know that there is, and the reason all this came about, we know that there was supposed to be the penalty box. And if you guys need the backstory and all that, tons of that written over at Legal Sports Report. So just go in there and you'll be able to find all the backstory to all this. But through all of that, we kind of started to see a little bit of chippiness going on here towards DraftKings. Um, Matt, it's just a glass of water but I'm going to raise it in a toast to Jason Robbins and to Rush Street because they've provided us with the most popcorn.gif story of 2020 so far. Um, After DraftKings had this past weekend to acquire customers, the CEO of the company, Jason Robbins, uh, took to Twitter early enough in the morning that I have to assume there were no controlled substances involved, uh, you know, not, not not a couple of early morning beers or something like that. and talked about how good it felt to be able to do remote registration in Illinois and that the, and I'm quoting here, corrupt idiots at Rush Street Gaming were not able to stand in their way any longer. Uh, That tweet was not up for long. It was deleted. We, of course, asked Rush Street for a response, and Rush Street came back with a one-line response that said that 
They pay taxes on every wager. They've never been asked to leave a state uh, and they do not have multiple class action lawsuits against them. Well, then, yeah, now, if you're new to this whole thing, you know, the tensions go a long way back. Rush Street is very politically powerful in Illinois. Uh, They have had issues with trying to uh, fight against DraftKings and FanDuel. It happened during the DFS days. It happened during the 2019 legislative process. And obviously it's gone on throughout the regulation situation here. So, Dustin, let's let's take a look at at from a rush street point of, of view here. And you kind of look at this and you saw sports betting get passed. You think that you're going to have this massive head start. And then you figure out real quick that that massive head start that you thought you were going to have, isn't really going to be all that massive, especially considering that the, the DraftKings and FanDuel are going to get, like we said, the better part of the first two weeks of NFL season for customer acquisition here. So at least at least if you want to have a little bit of sympathy, you can kind of at least understand why they might be a little salty in all of this. Yeah, and I, look, it's hard to blame uh, Rivers Casino slash Rush Street because, you know, any company that was in the position they do, they're politically, again, they're politically powerful in Illinois. They, they wielded that power to get what they wanted, and it's hard to blame them. Like any you know, DraftKings, DraftKings would be doing the same thing. They'd be trying to shut people out. They're, they're you know, uh, arguably trying to shut people out in Massachusetts during the legislation there. They're trying to do what they can to give themselves an advantage. If you have a lobbying advantage, you take that advantage and, and run with it. So it's hard to, to blame them. At the same time, Rivers Casino is definitely there. It's not like they're going to be in trouble here. They are the biggest brand, one of the biggest brands in Pennsylvania with online. They are, you know, with their combined casinos in Pennsylvania, they're, they're not as big as DraftKings and Fandle, but pretty close. They run a pretty close number three in that state. They do well in New Jersey. They have a casino in Philadelphia. They've done well there, even with a late launch. So, and they have a, a huge marketing advantage in that you know they they're, they have a casino near Chicago, so it's not they 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 could they're not going to be hurting for all of this. They're just going to have to pivot their strategy to deal with the the reality of we have to now we we can't count on people coming to online coming to Chicago to our Chicago casino and signing up. We have to go to our you know our online strategy, which should be fine, and they should be fine. Just. Uh, there is the bad blow with DFS companies. This goes back to all the way to like 2015 with uh, trying to pass a DFS law. There, it's it's a, it's a long time in in the, in the making. So, but I don't think they're in in bad shape. It's just they obviously wanted things to go one way, and it's not going to go that way. And God only knows for handicapping whether Illinois goes back to in person registration. I don't I don't have a guess right now, and how well it's t- how much it's tied to the pandemic. It does seem to be a, a public health concern. So. Whether we get to September 19th and we're seeing an extension of this, who knows? But uh, I think Rush Street will be okay. Rush Street will be and, and Adam, I mean, just if people aren't familiar kind of with the, the geography of everything here, which you know is my big thing here on, on our podcast is the geography of everything. The reason this is so massive for, for DraftKings, because as Dustin just mentioned, yes, they have a casino, uh, Riverside's Casino in proximity to Chicago where all the people are, where the high net worth individuals are, et cetera, et cetera. Well, the casino that is partnered with DraftKings is literally way down on East St. Louis, which is like on the border right there on the river. It is like a four and a half, five hour drive or something like that from Chicago. So yeah, I mean, in theory, they would all, they would both have 
the same rules where people would have to go in and register in person, but it's pretty different when it's a very, very short drive and we're talking a five hour drive, which would be a 10 hour round trip. Yeah, that is in no way practical, Matt. Um, By the way, thank you for letting everybody in on uh, your secret nickname here on the podcast, (laughs) Matt and Maddie. Uh, yeah, uh, East St. Louis is in no way convenient to the Chicago market. And to Dustin's point, what we're essentially talking about here is that Rivers is going to have to spend, right? This is marketing spend they probably didn't want to have to put in. But to compete with DraftKings and FanDuel, you're going to have to put some money into the pot to keep up with the advertising and the risk-free bets, et cetera, et cetera, that they're going to be able to offer. So now... You look at who loses, right? Rivers loses out of this deal and PointsBet. PointsBet had maybe the most convenient location in Chicago with Hawthorne Racecourse and something that's about a 10-mile trip from downtown Chicago. And that was what they were counting on is their market edge in Illinois. That now goes away largely for them as well. And for Rivers, for PointsBet, you thought you had this market to yourself and it is... Probably, if you consider everything that's available right now in the U.S., it is the single most lucrative market in the United States because New York City is not technically open, although New Jersey is obviously capturing a fair amount of that traffic right now. But it's Chicago or bust, really, because look, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, you know, these are great markets, but they're not the potential of Chicago. Yeah, I mean, we're talking market three when it comes to to everything with Chicago, and it's just so incredibly huge there. While I have, you know, both of you here, I don't want to, I mean, this is, I understand that you don't have any inside info. This is strictly something you would guess. But so we start approaching September the 19th, and are we going to be getting an extension of this in your opinion? Does it matter? Does it, does it matter where the state of Illinois stands in the whole COVID battle? Like what, what, what do you think is going on here? Or do you think, uh, you know, maybe this is just some, some sort of politics stuff that, that, that's going on behind the scenes. I think it's real. I think it really is related to public health. Mm-hmm. I think it is. I think it was bad look to say, Oh, go, go back to casinos and sign up for sportsbook accounts. When we said for a little while, you couldn't like, mm-hmm. that's a dumb policy. We've talked, we've read and talked to, we've written stories about that. We've talked about it here. That was an objectively bad policy. So if COVID is still a problem in Illinois and for the casinos, there's zero sense to sending people to casinos to send up for an online sports betting account. So I, I really do think that's the case. I think if, if things are dramatically better when we're sitting here in less than a month, maybe it gets rescinded again. But I think, I, I think this time, you know, until things are a little bit more in control, I guess I think it's that. I don't, I don't know how much of it's political. Maybe Adam has a little bit more insight. But I do think it's just a bad optics play to say, go, go to a casino and sign up for something that we said you could do online it just doesn't make any sense from a from a public policy standpoint. What I would add to that is don't underestimate the fact that there was some grassroots push here to try to get the in-person registration back. Uh, our friend Joe Ostrowski, who works for the score 670 in Chicago, got pretty fired up about this and led a coalition of people to mm-hmm. contact the governor, to contact regulators in Illinois and say, this doesn't make sense for us to have to go to casinos during the height of the COVID pandemic. And this might well be a situation where that level of grassroots push, even though it might not be thousands on thousands of people, that might be enough for the governor's office to say, hey, you know what? Rush, DraftKings, we don't want any more to do with this, right? Like it makes sense for us 
uh, health-wise to have this order in place. And for as long as the COVID numbers are up, we're keeping it. So guys, let's uh, let's take out of the legal market here and head uh, offshore for a second. There was a very interesting thing play out this past week in the offshore slash legal markets here, Dustin, that, you know, was brought to light by a bunch of the people who are really on top of this stuff out there and really glad that we we covered it at LSR. And, and uh, you know, I think all three of us are going to have some pretty decent opinions on all this as far as uh, bet Chris and their control and how much say they have in the sports betting market. Yeah. I, I heard, I read on the Twitter machine that you had something to do with this story. It sounds like fake news, but uh, <laughs> it sounded like you had some input into a, an actual legal sports report story. So thank you for that. If that's, that is indeed true news, but um, the, the, the basics of the story, and I'll lay this out and let you guys talk more about the, the opinions and the analysis of it, but a half timeline for an NBA game was put up. Uh, by by bet Chris, it was then copied by lots of uh, regulated and legal sports books around the country that you know in the U.S. and in, in the U.K. and uh, people got people got burned by it. They were people there. They hung a bad. They hung a line that bet Chris later voided bets on. It was a bad line. People started hammering the bad number that they hung on a halftime uh, line based on the score between the the, Ra- the Raptors and the Nets, and then. You know, bet Chris can, as an offshore sports book, can just void those bets. Said, "Oh, we we have a bad line. You guys are on your own." Uh, there's a, you know, there's some question about how that happens in the United States. We've talked about palps here in the past. This this really can't be considered a palp. You kind of have to pay it because it's such a small small differentiation in the number between what the real number is and what and what the number should have been. So people just kind of got caught and the whole debate is then, okay, bet Chris is the market leader setting lines. Do they deserve more credit or, you know, I, I, that's where the, the, the breakdown of the, you know, in the sports betting Twitter and, and the world for me breaks down is that yes, bet Chris is the market leader in terms of lines. That doesn't mean they get some kind of special status that they should be regulated across the across the country so i'll let you guys get more into the the logistics of this and what what it means from a market perspective yeah i mean uh, adam i think at the at the end of the day i mean this was a scenario where if you are in the sports betting industry you pretty much knew that this was happening anyway especially in game right like especially stuff like that a lot of that stuff does get originated Offshore. Now, we have had some of the Las Vegas books, Circa in particular, step up and be some of the first ones to market for college football lines, for some of the golf lines out there and different things like that. And they have taken the responsibility. And actually, over the course of of last season, you and I covered it pretty extensively, you know, got burned on a lot of that because when you're first to market, the market adjusts really quick if you're off on your number and, and things that are going on. And and, and they took, a, you know, a, a kick in the teeth several times by by doing that. But they went out and stepped out on line and they did want to be a line originator, a market originator in some of those aspects. Well, through this NBA deal, it actually came out and you have a, a, a great quote in in the article that Brad wrote that, you know, they admitted it. They, and I do give ever I do give them the respect in all of this and they didn't try to hide it and they didn't try, I mean, pretty much caught red handed anyway, but they did not try to hide it. They just owned up to it. And you have Matt Metcalf basically come out and say, Hey, look, we're not as strong in the NBA as we are in some of these other sports and some of these other markets. And, um, you know, we need to get better and we need to do better. 
Matt, there are so many layers to this story. It's just not simple in any way. Let's start with the high level stuff. This was obviously spotted by a prominent offshore better who posted all the screenshots of it that he had on Twitter. So you confirmed something that everybody in the industry pretty much knew that Chris is originating the lines. Everybody else is picking them up. Uh, It's embarrassing for the legal books, quite honestly. Uh, It's embarrassing to have this laid out in the way that it was, but it's reality. And as you said, Circa owned up to it. So that's that. Um, So the point that Dustin said about regulation with Chris, this is not a zero sum game. And the folks who promote offshore and who say that offshore shouldn't be any different than the legal U.S. regulated books, they come in and say, well, this is just proof that Chris is a huge part of the market and should be regulated. No, that's not the way this works. It doesn't go from you've been operating as part of the market for a long time. So you get to stay as part of the legal market. You've been operating in many ways in defiance of U.S. law. So when we talk about regulation, it's completely different. Now, the part of the zero sum game here is that this is not a matter of offshore disappearing. We've never talked about offshore disappearing. We have never talked about offshore being eliminated. We have talked about that the legal regulated U.S. market offers a lot of benefits that offshore does not. And this situation showed it as clearly as possible, because as Dustin said, Betcris just decided to void these lines. They just voided the bets. And we've seen already what's happened in the United States with what has been considered a palp that most often it has been in the favor of the better when regulators have gotten involved. Now, another layer that we should throw into this, you mentioned the in-game versus pre-game. And you and I have talked extensively about the idea that most books are frankly either too scared or too cheap to go into the in-play line setting market themselves. They're either relying on someone else or frankly, they're just not offering it or they have a team in the back that's trying to handwrite in play lines and it just does not work. You can't do it effectively. So does that mean that Chris always sets the market? Possibly. Does it mean that U.S. books eventually, as Brad Allen's piece will uh, explain to you, that U.S. books eventually have such volume and liquidity in their markets that they have the ability to set these lines without worrying about getting destroyed. You mentioned Circa and the college football lines. I mean, they had lines that were moving four and five points in an hour from when they started offering them Sunday at 11 a.m. So that is a huge amount of responsibility for that book, depending on where they have the limits set. So we can look at this and say the legal books screwed up. They probably were screwing up for a long time, but they absolutely screwed up in this situation. That does not mean that the offshore books are all of a sudden free and clear of the burdens that they've been holding for quite a long time. What it does mean is that everybody who's involved in this needs to be a little bit more honest and upfront about what the situation is and what is going to work in the long term. Yeah, and I think that one of the points that you guys have both kind of hit on here that I do want to drive home in all this is, you know, one of the things we've never said on the and Dustin, you've actually said quite the opposite several times on here. We've never said 
don't go bet offshore. What we've right. said is, hey, there are states where you don't have a legal option right now. And if you want to bet sports and you want to bet at one of those uh, sports books, who am I to tell you not to? Because if otherwise you have no other option. However, what we are saying is if you are in a state with with legal sports betting, that would be an option that you would look to turn to for the reasons that we've kind of listed out here from the aspect of one, yes, you have recourse should anything like this happen to you and, and you would be able to have, you would have someone to answer to. Number two, it's still a, it's still a company that is uh, promoting jobs, putting money in your economy, putting money, different things like that. So there's other ways that it is beneficial to you and your surroundings as well. But we've never, ever said, don't bet at those places. What we have said on several occasions is, Bet, bet there, but beware, because things like this can certainly happen. And there's a lot of people who are very, very vocal in this industry. And I'm not sitting here trying to be like, oh, I'm I'm Mr. OG and I'm, you know, whatever. But I've been around a long time in this. And it, there's a lot of people, it seems like, that are coming out that are super vocal about this that haven't woken up one morning and the big bank and the big bankroll that they had sitting in their account was gone where I have and, or that has been seized where I have, you know? And so it's, it's pretty easy to be like, Oh yeah. You know, just like spit out all these opinions when you never woke up and had a whole bunch of money seized or stolen or taken away from you or whatever it might be. And so, you know, there's, there's, we just try to really highlight what the benefits of the legal and regulated market are. Is it perfect? Absolutely not. I mean, we have, and, and when it's not, we hammer on that. Lines are terrible. We're going to let you know. Like, I mean, th- those are the things that we're not holding back on either. But I think people like look at this as a, as a so anti, anti offshore. And it's not that we're just saying, if you have the choice to choose between offshore and a legal market, you know, heavily consider the legal market for all of the reasons that we try to lay out. Yeah, absolutely. And legal books are getting hammered and rightfully so for, for this practice and and what they're doing. But at the same time, what, if you're running a business, like, okay, Chris said, we, again, Brad lays out very well. Chris sets a line. You're going to go, you're going to go way off of that line. And then all of a sudden, all the sharps and all the bots and all of that, they're going to start hammering your number. You're then, you have a hugely lopsided Mm -hmm. uh, result that you're, you're counting on because you went against Chris's number. Why, what, what reasonable business would do that? You're going to stay in line with what, what the market has set and what, what Chris is setting the market. I think nobody is arguing with that. Why would you go contrary to that? That doesn't mean that Chris is better than everyone else. That means, I mean, it means they're better at setting lines, but it doesn't Mm -hmm. mean that they deserve some kind of special treatment. There's just, people are, are are obviously risk averse. They don't want to deal with, with that. Why? Like, I don't know why, why as a legal book, you just like go out on your own and try to do this. Like there's, there's, there's a reason for it because you don't want to get just absolutely crushed because you have me and maybe sometimes the result goes your way, but more times than not, you're going to get going the other way. So, yeah. And then to your point on on offshore, again, it's, yeah. I mean, is Chris going to get shut down anytime soon? No, probably not. But there are, there are other, other offshore sports books that are, that are, are, susceptible to this and again mm-hmm. yes go go bet but have your eyes wide open that yes matt lost a lot of money in the the online poker days i lost substantially less money but i lost money too and just just be aware of like this is yes they say oh yes we quote unquote operate legally that is that's not the case you, you the, the sports books themselves are not operating legally you may not be you are probably not getting in trouble for placing a bet at an offshore sports book, there's been very little little evidence that mm-hmm. that would ever happen. But just be aware when you, when you do this that that that's that's what we're talking about. And I, totally and I think it's that. also important to highlight something that we haven't said yet. Why is Chris 
the market maker? Why is Chris setting these lines that everybody else is going out there and copying? This is because of PASPA. Like this Mm -hmm. is because of the fact that the legal market was banned for the better part of, you know, 30 odd years in the United States. So while it was banned in the United States, the offshore market built up this huge portfolio and built up the ability to be a leader. And so Mm -hmm. we are still in the very early days of what the legal U.S. regulated market hopes is a change in the tide. Does that happen? That's what we're here to cover. That's what we're here to talk about and find out. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's it's even deeper into the wire act type of things, because when books are operating these these separate entities all over the country and like they might have exponentially more high volume betters and and big betters in a certain state as compared to another. There's a lot of things that go on behind the scenes as to reason why it, it is what it is. And listen, bet Chris is we talk about like having the, the first mover advantage, right? In some of these other states, we're talking about like literally our, our opening story about what's going on there in Illinois. I mean, yeah, I mean, Chris has 10, 20 years, you know what I'm saying? Like they have a, a 20 year first mover advantage here. So yes, their liquidity is so much incredibly higher and they have do have so many more players and whatnot. And it, and it will take a while for some of these books to be able to get and build up that type of a, a player base and that type of money coming through there on a regular basis to where they would be able to go in and be a market maker and be a line maker and things like that. But, um, but you know, at, at the end of the day, you did say it though, Adam, and it is true. And we're, we, we're not going to completely just ignore it. it. It is embarrassing. I think that there were, I think that the books out there that got caught, you know, I mean, they never openly admit it, but again, it was kind of a thing that everyone knew was happening behind the scenes anyway, with it being so public this time though, there is a little bit of egg on your face. And I think at least at the end of the day, there is, there probably will be at least a little bit of a precipice to try and do better. I agree. And for anybody who's ever sat in front of a Don Best screen, you can see the offshore <laughs> lines sitting there right against the legal U.S. lines. It doesn't take long of looking at that screen to see one line pop up and then see the others follow along. Yeah, no, absolutely. So it'll, it'll be interesting. We'll follow along with this. But again, it's a good story over there by Brad. So be sure and take a take a look at that over at LSR. This is a time of the month where we're going to talk about numbers because we'd love to talk numbers here. And I'm actually very, very interested in this first one here, Adam, because it is Colorado, a state that I said I'm super interested in as we head into football season 2020 here. Well, wait no more, my friend. Uh, $60 million in handle in July, which was a big bump up from June, as you would expect for a market that launched in May and is ramping up and is going to have a number of sports books already has double digits and is probably going to have more before the launch of NFL season. But let's put that in a little bit of perspective. Uh, $60 million for a market that it was put out there as a test market. When you've had Major League Baseball and the NBA, at least in part, back on the schedule, that leaves a little bit of room. That leaves some, uh, that leaves some space for growth for Colorado. That is not uh, as big a number as you might have expected for a market that is supposed to be hot right now. Um, you know, the, the revenue numbers were... Uh, about on par with what you would expect. But I think the August report is going to be the one to really watch with Colorado because now you'll have the NHL back in. You'll start to see uh, more of this marketing spend, pushing more customers in, more NFL futures type bets. Uh, so yeah, Colorado was uh, good, but not great. Where do we sit in Nevada? I saw the gaming numbers in general down about 26.5%, almost 27% here. And when you're talking about gaming numbers in 
general for the state that we're talking hundreds of millions of dollars for the the state of Nevada. Where are we looking at from a sports betting perspective? So I'm going to start with a percentage because I think it's the more interesting piece of this. Last month, as things were just starting to come back, we saw Nevada with about 79% mobile share, which of course is huge for Nevada, but pretty much tracks with the rest of the country that eight out of every 10 bets will be placed via mobile. While we saw revenue bounce upward this month, we saw mobile share go down. And Nevada has to be the one market in the country where a 10% dip comes along with uh, the revenue increasing. That dip, of course, being in mobile adoption. Uh, handle 163 million for July. That, of course, is off. Not as off as some of the months we've seen previously. Uh, July, always a slow bit month for sports betting. And you see much, much more action on the card than you did in previous Julys. So Nevada uh, moving back the right direction, but you uh, will see September, as you've talked about, Matt, probably be the month where things really get popping and you can compare it to New Jersey uh, closer apples to apples than what we've seen in quite a while. Yeah, it seems I, I've now heard the, the same guys that were kind of saying that a month ago have kind of doubled down on the fact that they are really thinking that September could be their biggest September of all time. So we, we will see if that actually comes to fruition here, but with the melding of all the sports together here and football coming back, it would be hard to deny that maybe that could be uh, the case for them. There's no doubt about it. So Dustin, a, one of the ways that Europeans are certainly familiar with, because it is already up and going over there, a different way of going about betting is a betting exchange. And now we look here in the U.S., and it looks like we might actually be introduced to that as well. Yeah, a company that's been around for a while, quietly built, quietly or maybe not so quietly building its product called Sport Trade, is uh, got a deal to go live in New Jersey. This would be a, a betting product that would be only in New Jersey and not anywhere else right now, but it would be an exchange. So you're not uh, betting against a book, you're betting against other bettors. You're able to set, uh, you know, take whatever lines are available out there and bet on a on a peer to, more of a peer to peer basis. This has not existed yet anywhere. In the United States, other than there is a Flutter's Betfair horse racing exchange that exists. That's a pretty different animal here in the United States. Horse racing, not generally tethered to sports betting in any kind of meaningful way. So this would be a betting exchange on basically anything other than horse racing. So there are uh, many people out there who are high on this possibility. Sharps will certainly look to get their action down there, especially if they're limited or, uh, or otherwise banned at other at some of the uh, – regulated books in the US and you, you know they, they you know here the company is ambivalent to whether what the, what the result is they're trying to you know facilitate wagers and take a cut of those wagers between different betters so we'll see how we'll see how they do uh, as a ring fence product I'm pretty bearish on what a New Jersey only sports betting exchange will look like I think you need again we talked about a lot about liquidity with Chris you need liquidity to make a betting exchange happen I don't know exactly how much marketing spend sport trade has to, to, to leverage that, but uh, it's going to be a, it's a tough sell. And this is a new product largely in the United States. So we'll see how they do, but it is at least interesting to see that we'll have uh, a real honest to goodness betting exchange here in the U S. Yeah, Adam, that's kind of where I was going with that as well is, I mean, in theory, more options, the better. We've talked about that a, a million times here on the pod. Any way that you can have more options for a better than I, we always think that that's a good thing. However, 
really that is where the wire act is going to come into to to play here and the fact that you're not able to get everybody involved here and really it's just going to come down to one familiarity with what's going on anyway as to how to go about attacking a betting exchange in the first place and then when you talk about that it's going to be geofence to just one state there it's I don't know I I I'm all for the I hope I I wish them the best there's no doubt about it I just have a a tough time getting there as to how it's going to to be able to work everything you said makes perfect sense I would also add there is this drive and push among many people and we've talked uh in some ways about this to reinvent the wheel when it comes to sports betting in the U.S. There's this idea that product innovation is going to drive the market. It's very difficult to innovate a product that nobody has seen before uh, or to reconceptualize it, right? Uh, You're still in a mode in most of the U.S. of getting people used to the idea of what is a money line? How does the spread work? But the idea of we're going to reinvent the experience of sports betting kind of depends on the idea that People have a a preconceived idea of what sports betting is, right? You're going to change the experience. Well, you're still trying to get people used to the traditional experience and the idea that you have to come up with a different way to do it, even if even if that different way is a time tested way in other places. I don't know that this is the time for it, quite honestly. Um, I don't know that that you're going to see a wide enough swath of people be able to get involved in this to make it work. And to your point, if it's something that that heavy hitters and sharps want to get involved in that's great but that's also not a product that's ever going to see wide adoption so again could it work in the long term absolutely we've seen it work elsewhere right i just don't know that the u.s market is quite there yeah i think it might be 10 years too early (laughs) like like a decade yeah like a, a decade too early but uh we we shall see all right adam take us home here let's talk about uh talk about caesar's Yeah, so this is actually more a story about Virginia um, that Caesars features into because we have the first comments come in on the Virginia sports betting rules. Kind of a state we tend to forget about a little bit just because uh, it passed this year and they don't have casinos and we're still kind of waiting for things to ramp up and see what Virginia has to offer. It could be an interesting market by the time it comes along. But those first comments came in. They came in from Caesars. Um, Nothing that notable with the exception of their comments on responsible gaming. They were true. They were just kind of harsh. Uh, it was interesting to see an operator go out there with the idea that um, that they wanted changes made to how self-exclusion and some other responsible gaming regulations are set up with the idea of, in the end, it's the responsibility is on you, the better. And, you know, you you need to be the one to take the responsibility for how you decide to gamble. True. Yes, but that is not really much of uh, a sense of partnership that you would want to see from an operator coming into a new market. True responsible gaming relies on the better. It relies on the regulator. It relies on the casinos. And those three parties all need to be able to work together to have a cohesive and comprehensive approach. And seeing one kind of take that standoffish feel toward uh, one operator, toward a regulator, it it just felt a little dissonant. Guys, as always, we 
every single story that we talk about here, you can find either on Legal Sports Report or one of our sister sites. Uh, be sure and go read all that. Really do take in Brad's article, see what you think about that, and let us know because we're actually starting to get a little bit more feedback here on the podcast, and we certainly love that. So let us know what you think. You know, we'll read opinions that are civil. <laughs> if there's civil opinions out there, we'll, we'll, we'll read your opinion and talk about it here on the podcast. Uh, you know, you come in and start, uh, you know, slinging the, the F-bombs all over the place. We'll probably, you probably get the mute button. I don't really block anymore. Dustin, do you, it, you, you, you get more vitriol online than, than I do. Do you, do you block or do you just mute so that they just talk into the void? It has to be pretty bad to get the, the full on block. Yeah. I, 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 I often I like the muting my own conversation so I don't have to listen <laughs> to anybody that disagrees with my opinion. That, that's pretty good. Adam, after your uh, after the barstool piece, did you did you mute or did you block or how did what was your what was the strategy? I learned early on when it comes to the Internet and writing since I've been doing this for 20 odd years. Never read the comments. Don't read them on your <laughs> story. Right. Don't read them on Twitter. Just don't read them because you are not going to win any of those arguments happening in that place. It's true. It's why, like, now that we've come to video, the very first time that we, we went on video, I took it away from you guys. Yeah, I've got the little adult Invisalign braces, but you guess what? You can't make fun of me about it because I pointed it out the very first time we went on video. So it doesn't matter to me. I took it away from you. I I, I took away your sword. So there's nothing you can do to chop me down. Yeah, I, I I just do the mute these days. I don't do I don't block. I like to I like them to scream and keep screaming, keep screaming. Just get there. No response. I just yeah, uh, that's my uh, that's a, a Sisyphean effort you like to put on to yeah, people. I, I like, like it. Yeah. Uh, guys, again, over on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, Google, all those podcasts. So go in, subscribe, rate, and review. Really do appreciate that. At Dustin Galker, at Adam Candy, two E's, no Y. If you want to follow me, at Matt Brown, M2 as well. For Dustin, for Adam, I'm Matt. Talk to you guys next week. The go through some emails, check your calendar, see that you have a 45-minute break in the day between meetings, realize this is your moment, so you drive right to McDonald's to pick up something extra delicious ASAP meal. Thank you. There's a meal for every moment at McDonald's. Buy one of your select faves and get another for just a dollar every morning, like a sausage McMuffin or hash browns. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Prices and participation may vary. Valid for product of equal or lesser value. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Cowboy meal valid when product served. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.